There's so many things running through my head right now, about 40 years about being an elder. Mark, uh, it was awesome. That's so good. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? That's good. That's good. So uh, pull out your rocks. Who's got them? It's good. Some of you are like, what the heck are you talking about? Visitors are like, man, I thought it was weird before. Just went to a whole nother level. Last week, we, uh, we started uh, a series looking at um, our year verse, and which Pastor Rick brought, uh, to declare the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Dave, I keep getting knocked off the network. Uh, so I'm going to try again. We'll try technology. Work. Shows the authority that I carry right now. Stay. All right, we'll start with that. Uh, Dave, you're going to have to operate for me. Is that okay? So we started uh, a series um, and where uh, Rick announced the year verse to declare the Lord's favor from Isaiah 61 as Jesus quotes from Luke chapter 4 to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Rick talked about favor as part of a much larger series that we're doing on 2020 vision, that we're talking about what is our vision for 2020 and uh, 2020 vision. It was nice of the, the calendar to work that out for us in that way. And so we ended the service last week by saying that this is a picture of a well that we are as Wellspring. And inside here, for those who weren't here, it's filled with rocks and with stones. And we talked about the fact that in Scripture that there's often um, things of, that we remember. So we have the Lord's table to remember Christ's death. And it was very common for them to have stones of remembrance and things. that. So we just said, this is a symbol that we want to have for the, the next, at least the next 21 days as we're on a 21-day prayer journey. And for those who want to join us in praying focused and specifically for Wellspring for the next 21 days, we're doing a 21-day devotional. That's for our personal growth, because we know that if we are personally growing in our connection and faith to the Lord, then when we gather together, it's exponentially multiplied in that way. But for those who also want to pray for the next 21 days for Wellspring, for not only this year, but for the years to come, to grab a prayer guide for the next 21 days, but also grab a rock, a rock of remembrance, to put it in a place that you can remember to be praying for that. Well, I want to kind of start by sharing on a, a personal story about uh, my prayer rock and my rock. I grabbed a rock last week, and, and can I tell you, I just reached in and grabbed a rock because of my exhortation for those of you who want to come up here and go, I want the heart-shaped rock. I want the perfect rock. I just said, there's 300 people who have to do that. And I said, please don't. Inside my mind, I was like, someone may get a rock thrown at them if they do that. But anyways... It, but you guys were all good. You can't, you rushed up here. You grabbed a rock. If you didn't grab one last week, there are plenty. I think they multiplied during the week. Uh, for those who want extra rocks, go ahead. Um, grab some. If, uh, if you want to put them all over the place, that's fine. But on Wednesday morning, we had a, a prayer time here 
and in the space, which is the old sanctuary when this was Kensington Baptist. And I was uh, walking around and I was praying and I grabbed my prayer rock from out of my pocket. And I just started, you know, I'm a very tactile person. And so I'm holding the rock and I'm, I'm kind of like rubbing my rock and I'm praying and I'm interceding for Wellspring and for the region and for next generations. And, and I'm praying and it reminded me of, of something that is part of our heritage and legacy. Many of you know this, many of you wouldn't know this, but years and years and years ago, when Mark Johnson was a teenager, just sorry, Mark, I had to do it. A long time ago, there was a church in New Britain called Elam Swedish Baptist Church, which became Kensington Baptist Church, which has become Wellspring. But there was a, a real pivotal pastor of the congregation, and his name was Pastor Klingberg. He was a Swedish immigrant who moved uh, to America and moved to Connecticut, and, and he was here to pastor a burgeoning immigrant congregation of these Swedish people who were on fire for the Lord. And Pastor Klingberg, God put on his heart for him to care for orphans, and orphans specifically in this region and in New Britain. And he brought that passion to his elders at the time and said, I feel like we're supposed to do this, that, that, that I'm supposed to and we're supposed to care for the orphans and for those who are not being cared for in this region. And you'd think that the elders would be like, that sounds awesome, sounds like the heart of God, but they were pretty resistant to that. Not only to the idea of it, but most specifically that, that Pastor Klingberg would be the one to start this thing. But Pastor Klingberg wasn't daunted by what man said. He was led and guided by what God said. But how many of you know sometimes when God speaks, it's a whisper, and even that feels like a mumble. And so he went home, and Pastor Klingberg went to the place that he would regularly gather. Pastor Klingberg had a rock, and that was his prayer rock. And he went to pray. And he sought the Lord all night long. Some of you know the story. Just, Lord, I think this was you. I think we're supposed to do this. But there, the elders are saying no. And he didn't want to be in rebellion of that. But he knew what the Lord had called him to do. And he said, Lord, speak. And he would pray at this prayer rock regularly. It was a man of prayer in that way. And he prayed all night long. And he prayed. And as Mark told me this story four years ago, he said he was, you know, really just seeking, Lord, you got to make this clear to me. Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to step out and take a, a step of faith and take risk? And it would be a focal point of his life and his ministry. He knew he couldn't just do it a little bit. It was supposed to be his calling in many ways. And in the morning, there was a knock at the door early in the morning. And at the door was a policeman. He said, Pastor Klingberg, we don't know what to do. We found three boys living alone without their parents. We didn't know what to do, so we came to you. Is Can you help us at all? He smarter than I. I'd be like, well, maybe. I'm not really sure. You know. No, he said, yes, this is the Lord. And this man of prayer who prayed at his prayer rock daily began following the Lord, and God did amazing things in caring for orphans where the Klingberg Family Center is still in operation in the very heart of caring for those often neglected and forgotten in that way. And if you go up to Klingberg Family Center today, you'll see that they moved, years ago, they moved Pastor Klingberg's prayer rock 
to that property. You can go there today to see the place where this man of prayer would submit and surrender to the presence of the Lord and to his guiding and to leading. Wellspring, that's our inheritance. That's our legacy. And so I'm walking around the space and I'm praying and I'm holding my prayer rock. And as I'm doing this, I'm thanking God because that was our, our first week of the 21 days was to thank God for the past. And I'm thanking God for all the things he's done in the past. And for, you know, I was even thanking God for Pastor Klingberg. And then I'm holding my rock. And at some point, I don't know if it was the Lord or an angel is like, are you getting this yet? Are you getting this yet? I realized that for those of us who picked up our prayer rocks, that the Lord is multiplying the original inheritance. When I said take out of the well of wellspring, I feel like the Lord is calling us to multiply the inheritance that Pastor Klingberg laid. And the Lord said, and now you have a personal and portable prayer rock. And I feel like the Lord is calling us to be people like Pastor Klingberg, who his ministry that has affected thousands of orphans and then tens of thousands of people because of it started with a heart for prayer and surrender and submission to the Lord. That's our legacy. That's our inheritance. On Thursday night, we had our, our elder meeting. And I reached into my pocket at the beginning of the elder meeting and I took out my rock. And you can see my rock. I put it on the table One of our elders, uh, Billy, looked at my rock and he goes, Hey, where'd you get a black rock? Your rock doesn't look like mine. I love Billy. And I love his... I'm like, my rock doesn't look like yours. And I said, mine didn't look like this either when I picked it up. It's changed. Put your finger there. I'll talk about that later. If you have your Bibles, I'd love to have you turn with me to the passage that Pastor Rick started last week. I'll give you a little context and then we're going to dive into this more. As we look at this, I just want you to remember, I want to, the legacy that we were born into as wellspring of Pastor Klingberg. Pastor Klingberg was a catalyst of change in his time. And it started with God being the catalyst of change in his heart. And so we're going to read through this passage together. I have lost all control over my slides. That probably is a fitting and appropriate illustration. So Dave, I'll just tell you when we need to change. In Luke chapter 4, let me give you the context as Rick, just as a reminder of what Rick brought last week. Jesus is starting his earthly ministry. We see in Luke chapter 3 that Jesus was baptized, and he, as he was baptized, the Spirit of God came upon him in his, as in the form of a dove, and his Father spoke out for everyone to hear, this is my Son in whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And that was a a sign for everyone there that Jesus was anointed to do the ministry that he has. And then the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness for 40 days in which he prayed and fasted. 
He prayed and fasted for 40 days, and then the Lord led him out of that while he was being tempted in the wilderness by the enemy during his prayer and fasting time. He comes back into his hometown. He comes back into his home village, and it says that he came back in power. And he goes to church, as Rick talked about last week, as he always did, as it was his habit. It was his routine to make that happen. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah during that day was handed to him, and he read from this, and this is what... Jesus read out, and this was became Jesus' vision statement, Jesus' manifesto, all of his heart and values and everything that God wanted to do is, is kind of consolidated in this passage that Jesus read out, and this is what it said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he, being the Spirit, has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come, or in the NIV that Rick read last week, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant, sat down, and he goes, today. You've been waiting for this for hundreds of years, and today this scripture is fulfilled in me, right here, right now. But I want to see even even more... Because Jesus, while he was using this, is part of a longer passage that I believe everything in verses 18 and 19 in Luke is encapsulated in this passage in Isaiah and really in the life of Christ. He is the living expression. He is the living word. He lived this out to model it. But let's see what the word says as what was the, the heart of Christ. So if you have your Bibles again, you can turn with me to Isaiah 61. So Dave, you can throw that slide starting with verse 1. This is what Jesus was quoting. This is what Rick was saying, hey, this was the passage that the Lord led him to even back in 1995 as the vision and the heart of the mission of Wellspring. And so we are in this place of renewing that. So let's dive deeper into what Jesus was quoting from the prophet Isaiah, as we can look at it today. In verse 1, it says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and the release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now stop right there. That sounds really familiar, right? That's what Jesus was quoting. That's what he's talking about in his manifesto. Now, by the way, I don't have it up there as well, but the second part of verse 2 is not only to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, but in Isaiah, and Jesus doesn't quote this part, but in verse 2, he says, in the day of the vengeance of the Lord. Now, here's why Jesus didn't quote it. Well, first of all, Jesus' scrolls and scriptures that he read didn't have these nice verse numbers. And Jesus was concluding, and the vengeance of the Lord... It's not about those who are receiving the Lord's favor. It's for the enemy of the people of the Lord. So the vengeance of the Lord against his enemies is, we know this, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, do we? That we have an enemy. And the hordes of hell that come against us, and the vengeance of the Lord will be upon the enemy of the Lord. But for us who follow Jesus, it's a year of the Lord's favor. And to release it. So let's continue. That's what Jesus was quoting. In verse 3, he continues, and to provide. Again, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon him to do all those things. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion. 
Now, grief is a very real thing, isn't it? Especially living in a fallen world, especially living in our culture and our time. We've all been touched by pain. We've all been touched by the things that are listed in the first couple of verses. We've all been oppressed. We've all been held captive in some way. We've all been tainted by darkness. And so the result of living in a fallen world is our soul is grieving at times. Am I right? And so the heart of the Lord is that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, not only to proclaim the good news, not only to set captives free, but for all the result of that, that grief that is held within us because we live in a fallen world, is to provide for those who grieve in Zion, which was the mount of the Lord, a part of the city of the Lord in Jerusalem. He said, and not only to provide for those, here's what I want to provide for them. I want to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Ashes was a result uh, often as, as a symbol of grieving and mourning and wailing, especially in the areas of death or something tragic that would happen. So God is going, I want to instead take away the ashes of grief and I want to give a crown of beauty. How many of you would rather have a crown of beauty than some ashes? He continues, the heart of God, he's building off. He says, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise, which is about worship, an identity of worship, instead of a spirit of despair. And they, who's they? Those who grieve, those who have been tainted and touched by by a kingdom of darkness, by living in a fallen world. And they, as they come underneath the favor of the Lord and the ministry of the Lord, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It continues. Because that's a, that's a personal response to the presence of the Lord. It's a personal response to the ministry of the Lord. And look at verse 4. The outflowing and overflowing is this. That they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Did you catch that? Brokenhearted, blind, prisoners, walking around in darkness, grieving with ashes, with mourning, with despair. That God's heart and his ministry is to release such a great turnaround in us individually that they, we, get to be the people that rebuild ancient ruins. Things of the past that have been devastated to restore places long devastated and will renew. Do you see those three words that we have in our English translation? I think are powerful words to rebuild, to restore, and to renew. Really cool thing is this is an outworking of the inworking that takes place into the presence of Jesus in the ministry of Christ. That not only are we rebuilt, refreshed, restored, and renewed, but we get to do it in the world around us. That's powerful. This whole passage in Isaiah 61 that Jesus is quoting at the beginning of his ministry as his manifesto is really all about this. It's about change. A great and mighty transformation. A great and mighty transformation. Let me ask you a question. As you read the paper, as you go online, as you look at social media... Does our world look like what it's been described from Jesus' ministry right here, right now? The answer is no. Can I change your answer a little bit? Not yet. Not yet. Because I can tell you it's happened before. 
And it's God's heart for it to happen again. This passage is all about change. It's about a great and mighty supernatural transformation and change. Our world is waiting for this change. We have been hardwired to live within the presence and the outworking and the ministry of the king and the kingdom of God. And they are longing for and waiting for the change. And they are looking desperately at anything that will help bring that change and transformation. And the things that we've been looking at to within our own culture right now, those systems are all falling apart. And it's time for a change. This whole passage is looking for a change. This year, we're going to be looking at our vision statement. And Rick's right that this is the passage in which you know, all of God's heart that we want to see expressed in us as a community and through us as a community is encapsulated in this passage in many different ways. The anointing is on this passage. And Rick talked about proclaiming the year of Lord's favor to receive and to give it. But this year, that's the, that's the backdrop for our vision statement. And I'm going to start by talking about our vision statement. I want to unfold a little bit. We're going to break it down uh, in the time that we have left. We're not going to get through all of this. I'm going to have to continue it, some of it next week. But I'm going to start this. If we can put the vision statement up. This is the beginning. We're not going to release the whole vision statement in its entirety. We talked about it in the fall. We're going to break it down. But it starts this. That Wellspring, we are catalysts of spiritual renewal and revival. I got one amen. We are catalysts of spiritual renewal and revival. I want you to turn to someone next to you and look at them in the eye and say, you are a catalyst. Now, some of you should be asking a really important question right now. What is a catalyst? For those of you who don't know, you're like, you kind of look like a catalyst. I don't know what that looks like, but. <laughs> we are catalysts. So what is a catalyst? Well, let's break it down our English definition of what catalysts are. What is a catalyst? So there's three definitions. We'll put the first one up there. And these I got all online. So if it's on the internet, it must be accurate. So. We... <laughs> But these are like legitimate sources, like dictionary.com, the final authority in all things verbally, Merriam's dictionary, Webster's dictionary. Here's the essence of what we're talking about at Cal's. An agent that provokes or speeds significant change or action. For those of you who took chemistry, you probably would have talked about catalysts within chemistry, agents or chemicals or things that you introduce into certain chemical compounds that will elicit a change a reaction and an action in this way. But it's broader than just chemistry. Thank God, because I didn't do so good in that class. But anyways, I actually didn't, I didn't have a good enough grades to get into chemistry. <laughs> but that's what I've been told. Anyways, an agent of change, the second definition, a condition, event, or person that is the cause of an important change. And the last one, a person or thing that causes change. Now, a myriad of definitions and verbiage and wording in this, but you see the pattern that comes through all of these? There's one word that stays the same in all of them. Change. 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 So my working definition that we're talking about when we're talking about we are called to be a catalyst 
of spiritual renewal and revival. What is a catalyst? A catalyst is an agent of change. An agent of change. Here's the reality. We are all catalysts. We are all people that bring change. Everyone in this room impacts their world, their environment, their ecosystem in which they live and operate in. We are impacting, we are catalyzing change within that, whether we realize it or not. It's impossible not to impact the world in which you live in. Your very existence is impacting the world in some way. We are created that way to be catalysts. God created communities in in both social and spiritual ecosystems to have an interaction and that we impact each other. We are created that way. You are impacting this room right now. Some of you are like, really? The fact that you are here is literally changing the temperature of the room. Am I right? Some more than others. (laughs) Your very presence in this room is catalyzing some impact and change in your sphere and circle. You're impacting this room, and so is the person next to you. It's that way. You are impacting this room. You are impacting the day. You are impacting this time in history. Your presence on earth is catalyzing some form of change. Not right now, Carol. Not right now. Rick, can you, Carol, like, talk to you? We love you, Carol. We bless you. I want to pray for Carol now. Is that all right? Father, we bless her. You love her. You care for her. And the things that she's been grieving with and struggling with, we ask that you would meet her with your peace. And everything we just read in Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, Father, we release to her now through her friends and family here. We bless her and ask that you would meet with her, speak to her heart, to her mind, Right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are called and created to be catalysts. Agents of change in our world. How you impact your world is another question. We're created to be catalysts. We're created to impact our world around us. Catalysts are all about change. What impact you bring largely comes from this. What you carry. Your presence changes things. 
Your presence changes things, and we catalyze what is inside of us. Your presence changes the environment and impacts the world. You are a catalyst. What kind of catalyst you are in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in our society and culture. God's heart is to be a catalyst for spiritual renewal and revival, but it starts with recognizing that you are a catalyst. Some of us have believed a lie for a long time that I don't really matter, that I don't really impact things. I'm not one of those change agents. I'm not a Pastor Klingberg. Can I, can I encourage you? That's a lie from the enemy. Give you an illustration. Iran has been in the news a lot lately, hasn't it? It's causing a lot of anxiety in our world, isn't it? Tensions in the political arena, in the social arena. And I'm fasting from social media, and I'm very thankful during this time. And I'm not an ostrich that wants to bury his head in the sand, but I'll say this. There's a greater truth that's taking place in Iran that the media is not talking about. Right now, right now, and this isn't a rant about fake news. That may happen some other day. But anyways, right now in Iran, there is a revival, a spiritual revival for Jesus taking place in Iran. And this revival is being spread by catalysts. And I'm going to describe the majority of the catalysts that are carrying this, this revival, that thousands of people are coming to Christ. God's doing this through the most oppressed people group in Iran. Now that's saying something. He's doing it through women in Iran. These women who aren't allowed to go to school, who aren't allowed to have licenses, who aren't allowed to do many things within their culture. The most oppressed people group in Iran is women. And these are the ones that Jesus is choosing to catalyze renewal and revival in an oppressive regime. They've got no church buildings. They've got no central leadership. They don't have seminaries and Bible schools and schools of ministry all over the place. You know what they have? Jesus. And they are falling in love with Jesus because Jesus is showing up in the most unlikely places. And these unlikely heroes are not only willing to love Jesus and to serve Jesus and follow Jesus, they are so enraptured with the love of Jesus that they're willing to give their lives to them. We're saying, we're called to be catalysts. And I can tell you, from a strategic standpoint, if I was going to bring a transformational change to the country of Iran, it wouldn't be through the most oppressed people group. But that's my God. That's his heart. He wants unlikely people just to say, yes, Jesus, I'll go where you go. I'll do what you do. I'll say what you say, and I'll love how you love. And I'm called to release change and transformation. I want to be a catalyst for spiritual renewal. So much so that these women and others are walking out the door every day, and they're saying goodbye to their families and saying, I may not see you when I get home because I may be imprisoned or killed. But don't give up following Jesus. Catalysts 
of change? What kind of catalyst are you? These women are being changed and transformed by the presence of God, and they're releasing it wherever they go. They walk into stores and they look at people in the eyes, knowing that if they talk openly about Jesus, it may cost them their life. And they're listening to their friends and stories and they're asking, Holy Spirit, what part of my story of change in my life do you want me to share with them? That's how it's spreading. Person by person, home by home, neighborhood by neighborhood. They're saying, Jesus, what part of your story of change in my life do I need to share with them? What transformation? What part of me? Where was the time where you turned my ashes into a crown of beauty, my mourning to songs of praise? And their friends and their neighbors are saying, you've changed what's changed you. Catalysts catalyze what they carry. You are bringing you wherever you go. Some of you, I need to sit on that one for a while. You know this phrase, wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) And what is inside of you is what you are releasing and catalyzing, impacting the world around you. You bring out as one of inside of you. Next week, we're going to talk about... What are some hallmarks of spiritual catalysts for renewal and revival? What are some hallmarks? But can I just start with this? If you can throw the passage up from Acts chapter 10. This is Peter, one of Jesus' best and closest friends. He is summarizing the ministry of Jesus to people that didn't experience it firsthand. And he summarizes it this way. He says, the previous, he talks about some facts, and he says, basically, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Sounds like Isaiah 61, doesn't it? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me and has anointed me. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good in healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Here's Peter's summary statement. Everywhere Jesus went. He catalyzed transformation and change because of what was in him and what was on him. What was in him? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. What was on him? The power of the Holy Spirit. And he released that everywhere he went. I started the story talking about my rock. When I pulled my rock out of this pile... It was like one of these other rocks. Look like that. And as I'm walking around the space with my dull rock, and I'm thinking about Pastor Klingberg, and I'm thinking about the, the legacy of our prayer rock, I'm thinking about this portable, powerful, and personal rock of prayer. Again, this is just a piece of stone, but it's representative of, the, of, of prayer and the presence of God. And I feel a nudge, and that's often how God speaks to me. Pastor Klingberg's rock was anointed with prayer, with the presence of God, because it was the place that God met him. So I felt led to come into here. We've got some 
anointing oil that we use regularly for praying for people and praying for healing in accordance to the passage in, in James about anointing people for healing. And I grabbed a jar of oil and I anointed my rock. And I wasn't expecting this, but it totally changed color. It's totally transformed to the point where when someone else sees my rock and go, hey, that rock's not like mine. Where'd you get that rock? From this pile. But the anointing of the presence of God changes everything. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what would it look like for us to be catalysts in our world that we carry all of God's heart, that each one of us has a unique gifting and calling, but a common anointing in Jesus that only you have. I don't have your gifting. I don't have your calling. I don't have your purpose on earth. We all have an anointing of the Spirit. We all have the heart of God of what he wants us to release. But we need each other. And so does our world. Stay tuned. But for now, why don't we stand? And this journey for us starts with a yes. Can I just say, I've shared this before, but the journey of following Jesus is, the, is a journey of 10,000 yeses. And if we're called to be catalysts in our world, we need to start by saying, yes, I want to be a catalyst of Jesus and for Jesus. I'm going to impact my world. How do I want to impact it? What legacy do I want to be known for? Maybe not on earth, but all of heaven will know. I don't know one name of an Iranian woman who's living in there, but I know this. Jesus knows their name, and they are changing their world. And the same Jesus... Who lives in Pastor, who lived in Pastor Klingler, and the same Jesus who lives in these Iranian women and is birthing the Iranian church lives in me and he lives in you and he is anointing us to change. Why don't you gently and kindly just place your hand on someone next to you if they look like that's okay? And I want to send us out with a blessing. May we be so smeared with the presence of God May we be so filled with Jesus that we look like him and we sound like him and we love like him and we rebuild ancient cities and communities and towns and families and neighborhoods and we see the heart of God transform our hearts and the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want you to look at someone in the eyes again and say, you are a catalyst of change. Bless you guys. Have an amazing week.